Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of Right Nowish. A few weeks ago, I called Vincent Ray Williams III. He was parked in front of a Home Depot in the East Bay, set to purchase some supplies for a day of community service. Williams tells me that this is something he's been doing on his own accord for a while now. It's just his way of trying to do a little neighborhood cleaning. Well, more than just a little cleaning. This isn't one of those cleanup projects where we go around with grabbers and we pick up a couple pieces of trash. We weighed about six bags of that trash and it was 520 pounds. Mind you, there's 60 bags of trash sitting on 35th and Telegraph in Oakland. Again, this isn't Vincent's day job. Nah, not even a city-backed project. But it is a good example of how Vincent is doing work that helps to right some of the wrongs that he's experienced in his life. It was something that was inspired by both my experience with living on the streets, being homeless, and my experience as being a child uh, who grew up in Oakland, who wasn't able to play in parks because they were dirty needles and glass and things like that. Vincent's actual job, operations coordinator at the Oakland LGBTQ Community Center, gives him a different opportunity for self-healing, where he can help people living with AIDS. We'll also talk about how Vincent's life, in some ways, parallels that of the guy credited with popularizing the high five. That story, shortly. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. 
Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. So, Vincent, take us back to the start. How did you get involved in working with the Oakland LGBTQ Center? You know, I'm a pansexual man, and I never really felt like I had a place where I fit in. My whole life, I always had this view of the LGBTQ community that was negative because I had a negative view of myself. What ended up happening for me is I came here, the Oakland LGBTQ Center, for a support group. I was apprehensive to come here because other places that I've been, I didn't feel like I belonged because it was predominantly white. I need to be able to walk in and see a black or brown person because I'm black and I'm Puerto Rican. But also, I've always been one of those kind of people where if you haven't been anywhere, but you're trying to advise me on how I should approach something, then you're misinforming me. Because tried and true solution comes through people that have actually been through some shit, that have tried some shit, that have found out what shit works. That's how I feel about it. And that's exactly what the Oakland LGBTQ Community Center is. The way that I was accepted with open arms, the way people smiled at me, the sincerity that flowed through the people that I met made me want to be involved even more because I always felt better when I walked into the center. And so I was grateful that our CEO, Joe Hawkins, offered me a position as a temp here uh, and I took it and that transitioned into operations coordinator. So what that's entailed has been the conception of our Glenn Burke Wellness Clinic. Why name it after Glenn Burke? Who was Glenn Burke? Glenn Burke was a black man in Major League Baseball, played for the A's, the first out gay black man in MLB. Glenn Burke now up with two out and Steve Garvey. He created the high five and he found out he was HIV positive. They blackballed him. This is a black man who found the courage to be comfortable in his own skin and not care what anyone else thought about it while still remaining professional and inspiring so many other people. And what better than to name the clinic after an Oakland native who made uh, so many sacrifices uh, just to let people know that it was okay to be who they are than to name it after Glenn Burke. How does Glenn Burke's story impact you personally? You know, part of Glenn Burke's story was that without a job, he found himself on the streets of San Francisco and the Castro uh, selling himself. I come from a long past of substance abuse uh, and drug addiction. And at one point I found myself in a position where I didn't know what else to do to take care of myself than to sell myself on the street. I can definitely relate on an emotional level with uh, his story and I'm obsessed with everything baseball. I played in in high school and I I played in, in college a little bit. And so that story hits close to home with me. So many parallels. At what point did you find out that you were HIV positive? I was 13 years old. I was in a group home, probably like my 80th group home I had ever been in at this point. And I remember that the social worker set me down and she said, hey, we need to talk to you. And I said, yeah, what's up? And she said, your biological father, he passed away. And I'm like, oh, no worries. I don't care. Whatever. I never met him. She said, well, we want to let you know that he died you know, of HIV or AIDS. I was like, oh, that sucks. And she was like, yeah, well, we also need to tell you because you're old enough to understand that all those medications that you take, they're also for HIV. You know, that broke my heart. 
I didn't know. I just knew that I had to take these medications every day. And so it was explained to me that I had been born with HIV. Finding out about it at 13, it was, it was really like a turning point for me emotionally because I didn't know that it wasn't a death sentence. I knew the stigma behind it. And I was like, oh man, if you got HIV or AIDS, you gonna die and you can give it to people. You're never gonna be happy. Nobody's ever gonna love you. And so I found myself in a darker hole. What, what helped you to grow from that stigma? It took me years to grow from that. You know, I would like to say that I learned everything that I needed to know and I took care of myself and I didn't. I was convinced that people were looking down at me, that they were judging me and nobody knew. And in 2012, I found myself sitting in a jail cell in Santa Rita. And I remember getting out and going to see my mom and my mom telling me, hey, you can't be here. And I remember her telling me like, I love you. And I wanna see you get right with yourself. And it, it's not gonna help you, you being here. And so I reached out to a family member of mine, my brother, and he was uh, in a recovery program. And I told him, I said, man, I really want to do something different. I don't know what I have to do. And he said, well, listen, you got to come out here, you know, get a bus ticket. I'll put you in a program and we'll take her from there. I did that. Something in my spirit shifted. And it was like being smacked in the face. And I started to kind of play this tape in my mind about everything that I had been through and everyone who had taken advantage of me and everyone I had taken advantage of and all the places that I had caused wreckage. And I started to see that in a clearer light. And it's been a process. It's been, I mean, this is change happens over years and sometimes, you know, not a whole lifetime, but it's definitely been a process. Man, much respect to that. I, I definitely know that change isn't a light switch. So, yeah, I fully understand. How would you advise other people to do away with that stigma? How do you how do you even approach someone who stereotypes people living with HIV and AIDS? It's like the stigma that comes along with homelessness and and substance abuse. We don't know why everyone that's on the street is on the streets. So when it comes to HIV, it's about education. I've had occasion where people would ask me, hey, Vince, do I need to get some more forks and spoons specifically for you so when you come here, you can eat? I can look at that negatively and I can be like, oh, they're trying to put me in a box. But see, that's where you get a kind of foot in to start educating. Well, hey, you know what? Like, that's not how transmission works. If you have any questions, you let me know because it's my goal for you to feel as comfortable as possible knowing that I have this, but also knowing that you don't have to take such strong measures to protect yourself unless we're being intimate. After a while, after you do it so much, it becomes second nature. And I have to restrain myself sometimes because I'll be out in public and I'll hear somebody say something over here, you know, and I want to chime in and be like, well, you're kind of wrong. How do you have that patience to educate the masses? It all started for me with having to have a conversation with someone that I wanted to have continue to have an intimate relationship with. And I wasn't willing to run away from that relationship because I wanted it so bad. And I was going to let this person know that, listen, I'm willing to help you learn whatever it is you need to learn so we can get through this together. The work that you're looking to do with, with the clinic 
Is this the next step in that evolution? My goal is to inspire and to motivate. As a black man from Oakland, uh, someone who hasn't felt comfortable in their own skin, someone who's been in and out of different clinics, being able to be here for the community, for my community, like is key for me to give back. Someone may see my bio and someone may be inspired by that and say, you know what? It's okay for me to be who I am. It's okay for me to be HIV positive and find a, you know, ways to take care of myself and have a better life. And it doesn't have to be all bad. And sometimes that's all it takes is somebody being an example. Vincent Ray Williams III. Vince, you are appreciated. To be open, to be sincere, to be in service, I take my hat off to you and your work. To keep up with all that Vincent has going on, check out Urban Park Cleanup on Facebook and Instagram. And follow the center where Vincent works on Instagram at Oakland LGBTQ Center. All one word. The producers behind this episode are Marisol Medina Cadena and Julie Chang. Our editor is Jessica Plachik and engineer is Seal Muller. Engagement team, Kiana Mogadam, Lena Blanco, Sarah Pineda, and Vita Kong. KQED execs are Eric Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. Big thank you to the entire team. My name is Pendarvis Harshaw, and I'm the host of Right Now, which is reminding you to tell us how you feel about the podcast. Leave a comment, send an email, or just tweet the hashtag Right Now, which and leave a comment about the show. Looking forward to hearing from you. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Right Now, which is a KQED production. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.